So welcome back, welcome back everybody. Thank you for joining me once again. I'm your host, Missy Lewis, and this is Black Girl Coffee Shop, where we sip coffee and not tea. So I have been MIA for a while, but I do appreciate all the listenership um, that has been going on while I've been on hiatus. Um, just working. Uh, like the, the hours I work, it's really odd. So it's like I sleep sometimes, um, but it's all to the good. So I just want to thank everybody who has been listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and follow me on Instagram at Black Girl Coffee Shop Podcast, or you can follow me on my other page, which is, which is Poetry and Black Coffee, which I am still working on getting stuff up and um, posting and all this other jazz. Like poetry is near and dear to my heart like it's a part of poetry is how I let my soul speak so yeah so speaking of that um this episode so you know it's kind of impromptu I was like um the crazy thing is I was actually making pumpkin seeds because I bought a pumpkin and a small one because I feed pumpkin to my dogs, whatever. So I made them like homemade pumpkin puree. And then I just took the pumpkin seeds. <laughs> I know people would be like, you doing too much. But it just, yeah, whatever. So, you know, I was doing that or whatever, cleaning up. And you know what's so annoying about, before we dive into our topic, is like, when you're trying to eat fresh, like when you eat fresh and, you know, like, um, I am somewhat of a vegetarian um I can go without meat so I don't I don't my thing is like I say somewhat of a vegetarian because I don't want to put labels on myself but I can create a meal without using meat products and it's not necessary because you know you grow up and people like oh you need a starch a meat and a vegetable you really don't you know what I'm saying there's so many beautiful there's so many beautiful um ingredients out there you know in the supermarket or whatever so you don't necessarily need a meat. I'm not. I'm not knocking meat or anything like that. I um, seafood from time to time, but I don't put my. La- I don't put a label on myself. Oh, I'm a vegetarian or I'm a vegan or stuff like that. I just try to um, eat as healthy as possible. And yeah, the only thing I don't like about the whole healthy process eating and the. I mean, healthy eating is the process of cleaning up. <laughs> dishes and pots and pans and whatnot so yeah and then sometimes I make my dogs like homemade dog food and stuff like that but anyway getting on to the steak and potatoes (laughs) no pun intended of the episode um so I want to talk about trauma bonding and the other segment will be about codependency I've talked about codependency before I recorded an episode about codependency but I just didn't feel like it was given what it was supposed to give. So we're going to try this again. And so I'm going to talk about trauma bonding. A lot of people don't understand what trauma bonding is. Trauma bonding can be deep and trauma, tra- trauma bonding can be light. And it could be as little as you meet somebody at a job and the job sucks. And you guys are, you guys become friends just based off of that job and how dysfunctional it is. And it's like, you never really got to know each other, but you both know that, oh, I don't like this. This job sucks. Um, this, that, and the third. You know what I'm saying? 
So it's the same thing like if you went to a meeting and you were going to a meeting for um, alcoholism or domestic um, abuse and you guys become friends based off of that only thing, that, that one thing, you're not really friends. It's more of a trauma bond and people don't know how to escape it. Um, I actually experienced a trauma bond friendship and it, the thing about trauma bond friendships is that it appears to be really deep. It appears to be like a need for it because you're, it becomes almost in entangled. It becomes like, um, it becomes dysfunctional. I can't think of the word that I'm trying to use. I don't want to say dysfunctional, but it becomes, um, it, I don't know. It, it it almost like it. It's like two puzzle pieces. It's like it becomes ingrained. You guys become ingrained with each other through this trauma bond, and it's it, the reason why the trauma bonding is unhealthy. And when you make friends with people, make sure that you really make friends with them. And this is this literally, like I said, I was just sitting here cleaning and you know get myself organized because I got to work tomorrow. Um, but this is just this is straight off the dome. But it's the realest thing I feel like I ever spoke. <laughs> but trauma bonding. Sometimes people, we don't actually become friends with people. We don't actually become real friends. And what I mean is, if you're not really getting to know a person, you guys don't have real conversations. If everything that you guys talk about is based off of a dislike or um, a disease or an addiction or stuff like that, you're not really getting to know them as a person. You know what I'm saying? You're not really getting to know them to see if they're, you know, a liar, a cheater, a hater, or whatever the situation may be, to really get to know them, to, to really be friends with them. All you have is that top layer of that uh, trauma bond. Um, and it doesn't, it doesn't give you the ability to really dig deep. And trauma bonding can be, it's very um, disastrous. I don't know if that's a word, but it's very it really does yourself a disservice because you become entangled with this, with this friend or it can even be a romantic relationship and it's not healthy. It's not healthy. You guys are so, it's, it leads me into codependency, but it's unhealthy because it's like you have two wounded people or two wounded birds who want the other person to help them through this. And then you want this other person to help them through that. But they not even, they, they can't even help themselves Two. Two people with broken wings can't fly. They can't help each other fly. That's the realest thing I ever spoke right there. They cannot. And when you get into a situation where you expect somebody with a broken wing to, to help you fly and vice versa, it becomes, you become irritated, you become um, upset, you become very disgruntled because you believe that this person was supposed to be there for you. Why wasn't they there for you? They can't give you something that they don't have. Your relationship, your friendship was purely based on, hold on, I got a cough. <coughs> was purely based on you helping each other out of little situations throughout life. But unless you go back and each person, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship, goes back and does the work for themselves, all you guys will be doing is putting band-aids on each other. And the moment the person is not available to put the bandaid on you or you're not a, vice versa, it becomes an issue because like, why was you there? Why weren't you there for me? But like I said, when it comes to trauma bonding relationships, people can't give you what they don't have. 
especially if they haven't done the work on themselves. Like that's why when point example, point, point blank, um, case in point, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> you know, like when somebody is an alcoholic and they're trying to get sober, they usually have a, uh, I don't know what it's called. A sponsor. There we go. Sponsor. They usually have a sponsor, but that sponsor has been clean 10, 12, 15, 20 years. So the sponsor is in a different place. So the sponsor is able to help the alcoholic to get them to make them better. Two alcoholics can't help each other stop drinking. <laughs> like, it's just point blank period. Two alcoholics can't help each other stop drinking. So when you become friends with people, you need to work on yourself. And when, when not like I said, whether it's a friendship or romantic relationships, you need to come in as the best version of yourself. People think that they can just, oh, I'm friends with this person. You need to, you honestly, when, even when it comes to friendships, you have to take a step back and think, I'm going through some ish right now. Am I going to actually be a, a good friend to this person? Because sometimes we feel like our friends are supposed to be, are supposed to give us, you know, first aid all the time. And uh, when they don't, it's a problem. That's not their job. And when I say that, sometimes we are asking too much from from people, whether they have it to give or they don't. Some of that, most of that, I would say 95% of it is your job. So, and then when you are, like I said, when you are so engulfed into your whether it's a drug addiction, a food addiction, um, trauma bonding through mental illness and stuff like that. Two sick people can't help each other. <laughs> so it's like, if you got, you know what I'm saying? If you got the COVID and I got the COVID, you need somebody to come and take care of both of y'all. Both of y'all can't help each other. You can't take care of, I mean, that's probably a bad example, but it's just point blank period. And when you are so ingrained or engulfed in a friendship or relationship where you are, you guys are only talking about and focused on one thing, alcoholism, you know, drug addiction, food addiction, whatever the situation may be, you never really get to know the person. So when either one of you comes out of, you know, the situation and sees the light, you realize that you guys really had nothing in common except that one thing. You realize that maybe this person is not, we're, we don't even, we're not even compatible. We're not even, you know what I'm saying? We never really got to know each other on a romantic or a friendship level. The realest thing I ever spoke, bro. Like, I feel some type of way right now. I feel like I'm preaching something. I don't know. I feel, I feel all tingly inside. Because it's the truth. It's the truth. And then that's why when people, um, when people become friends or we meet somebody, like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to hang out with this girl. And I'm going to hang out with, you know, I met this guy. You have to recognize the work that you still need to do on yourself. Because this right here, this journey, this, this self-love, self-care journey, it's an independent study. It's a, single, it's a single agenda. Only one person's name goes on the top. This is not a group project, okay? So when I say that, I mean that when it comes to, let me see what I need to do for myself. Okay, so am I going to be, in it, same thing with relationships and friendships. I need to do some work on myself before I enter into a friendship. And people don't think, people don't take it that seriously, but it's just that serious. Um, same thing in romantic relationships. Or even maybe you might be in a place where you've grown and you're doing better and you've healed your traumas, childhood traumas and all that type of stuff. 
but you see somebody coming from, you know, 50 miles in front of you and you see all types of red lights saying, no, 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 whether it's a friendship or a romantic relationships, they need to work on themselves. Only thing that's going to happen is you're going to end up being exhausted by what they got going on. They need to heal themselves. Don't take your energy. Don't take your peace. Don't take your joy for granted. If, and it's not negative. It's not mean. It's not anything like that. It's purely self-preservation. If, I, if I'm around somebody and I, um, let's say I'm at work or at, um, somewhere, and there's a female talking and she's just like talking about everybody and she's just so, you know, mean and everything that comes out of her mouth is nasty and she's cursing and just acting all types of, okay. And it's not judgment, but all of that is not conducive to what I got going on. And that's not judgment. It just, she needs to heal some things. And like I said, this self-love, self-care journey, healing process is it's independent study. It's not a group project. So I can't, you can't get a person to where they need to be. That's not your job. And when it comes to whether you're meeting somebody new or old friendships, you do have to practice self-preservation because if you're two broken people, you can't help each other. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like the spirit just came over right now, and this just be like it just became crystal clear on so many aspects of everything. You know what I'm saying? I and I was so this trauma bonding, right? So we just talked about trauma bonding. We're going to talk about codependency. Codependency was my middle name. Missy Codependency Lewis, okay? <laughs> codependency issues. First of all, growing up, um, a dark-skinned middle child and always being the caretaker, that became my role. That And people really don't really, you don't really understand how a situation and how things can become your role and you are disgruntled you are upset you are feeling some type of way about you being in this role but you don't know how to escape it this was the hardest thing I ever had to do is address my codependency issues and really sit down and think about it I was so busy being upset about being used but I felt like I needed to be I needed to be useful. I needed to be useful to people. If I'm not useful to people, what will be my role? Because as a little kid, that's, that's what it was. My sister was free to be herself. No shade to her. I had to make myself stand out. So how do I make myself stand out? My sister's high yellow. I'm brown. That definitely played a role in our upbringing or in mine. So how can I get people to um, flock to me, talk to me, be drawn to me? It, it just all that type of stuff. Be a people pleaser. Be helpful. And this, this, trans, this translated into my life. This translated into my life 2017, 18, 19. It was very prevalent in my life. I was the, I put on, I put the S on my chest. I went out to help everybody. I wanted to be there for everybody, even at the detriment of myself. Um, then I became the martyr and became bitter because how am I there for everybody, but nobody's there for me. I didn't, I didn't, first of all, I did not set boundaries. I did not require anything, but the codependency, the codependency was my role and it was, it was prevalent in every relationship in my life. I would, it, it, and because I had so much codependency issues, I would attract people with issues. 
I would attract people so I could help them. So they they would honestly we're gonna break it down. I would attract people so I could help them so they'd be friends with me because that's the only way that I knew that somebody would be friends with me if I was helpful. I would go out of my way. I would sacrifice myself, my happiness, my comfort, my everything for all, all my relationships because I was looking for validation. I was looking for people to care. I was looking for a whole bunch of, you know, it was a lot of insecurities and stuff like that. So it translated into my life in my 30s, okay, in my 30s. Uh, it hit my self-esteem. So then, I, with my, so this is how it's like a, a hamster wheel and a double-edged sword. I had the codependency issues where I would become the martyr. Anything that anybody need, oh my gosh, I'm going to get it. You want some money? Uh, my mom could send me a picture of some shoes and I'm like, I'm going to send it to her, I'm going to get it to her, da, 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 da. I would go, it didn't even, my, I would disrespect myself so much. I would disrespect, and don't get me wrong, my mom has plenty of shoes. So, but she knew that I would buy them. So, and I'm shade to her. I taught people how to treat me. So don't, you can't get mad. You have to set boundaries. I taught people how to treat me. I really did. And then I got mad because how could, why would you treat me like this? Because I wanted people to automatically know how to treat me without telling them. Does that make sense? Not in this world. And I have in the last, this year, transformation year, um, set boundaries. If something, and people often think, especially us as black women, we are put in a space where we are supposed to be the givers, the caretakers, the everything to everybody, to America. No, I'm going to be everything to myself because if I burn out, if I die, if I, if I have a stress heart attack, like there was a point in time in 2017, 2018, where I would get so stressed out. I would be so stressed out at work and my arms would start hurting, like my arms, my chest, I mean, panic attacks came. It was just a, a mess. People think that heart disease isn't real. People think that stress isn't a killer. Stress is a killer. And I'm stressing myself over what? Exactly. Grown people. I don't have any children. So if, so when it comes to financial issues, whether somebody in my family needs something or whatever the situation may be, figure it out. That's not my job. That's not me. What would you do if I wasn't here? What, if, what would you do if I didn't have... You, you think I have this money? I do. I do have, I have a little coins, but they're my coins. I work for coins. Everybody goes to work and works for their coins. And anybody who is prior, who's been in the military or um, is currently in the military, you know that you go, through some, you go through some stuff for them coins, for them benefits. Okay? Sometimes you go, it's a rough thing. Sometimes it's a cool thing. But, the, you know, there's moments... I've been, in, I've been in a blizzard. I've been in weather 125 degrees. I've been uncomfortable. I've been... Okay, so... And I, I'm army. And I don't know if y'all know, but, like, I'm in the army. I'm not... No shade. I'm not in the Navy on a boat. You know what I'm saying? I'm in the army. There's a difference. I don't like... If you feel like it's shade, that's on you. But <laughs> everybody knows what I'm saying. But anyway... But, like, I work for my coins. I work hard for my coins. Them coins don't come easy. That's all I got to say. And I had to really take uh, inventory of that. Like, why am I just shelling out these coins to grown people? Why am I giving them, I'm giving myself, I'm giving my, my, my soul to people. 
but it's crazy because us as little as little girls when we grow up we learn how to be selfless because our parents are our, our, our mothers we emulate our mothers who give and give and give and give and give for the majority of us we learn to suffer and struggle they talk about struggle love you know what i'm saying we we deal with all that type of stuff becky she don't got to deal with struggle love black women we had to deal with struggle love where it's like well, we don't have to, but it's like, oh, let me see how much he can do to me and see how much I could take to show him how loyal I am. Becky doesn't have to do that. Not really. No. What do you bring to the table? Becky doesn't bring anything to the table, not even a knife or a fork, okay? I don't want to get off track. But yeah, my codependency issues, it was so difficult because it's almost like I had to go inside of myself. I had not even, I, don't, I had to go outside of myself to see myself. To see the things that I was contributing to my own unhappiness. I was taking my own joy away. We, we, I think we give, too many, we give people too much credit, okay? And be like, oh, this person made me so sad. This person did this to me. This person her broke my heart. Did they really? Or did you allow them to? Or did you, not correct, did you not set correct boundaries? Did you not correct them the first time they did something to you that you didn't like? Did you, and, and don't get me wrong, because I had this situation with a soldier. It was a, a female soldier, and I'm teaching her how to be a leader, right? She's like, talking to another soldier. They're the same rank. And I was like, she's like, I don't like the way she talks, and all she does is use profanity, profanity. And I was like, how long has this been going on? Like, how, why do you feel some type of way? I was like, she's like, well, people can talk how they want to talk, but I don't like how she addresses certain things and certain, you know, or whatever. I said, you know what's going on? You disrespecting yourself. I said, Especially being a leader, you're going to be a female leader in the military. You're going to have to learn how to pull somebody to the side. You should have pulled her to the side the first time she was doing all that cursing. Because some people just be cursing in the military. They just don't have no other type of language. Which I'm not, do what you do. But if I feel some type of way, I'm going to pull you to the side. And I told her, I was like, you should have pulled her to the side and let her know the first or the second time. Depending on, you know what I'm saying, if you want to give her time to correct herself. But... You allowed that. You can't get mad at her because you didn't set correct boundaries in your ear, in your space, in your mind, in your area. People allow people to, to disrespect their space. Yes, we're in the military or you work at a corporate job or whatever. But if somebody is doing something that is not conducive to your spirit and it's not going to cost them anything to stop, ask them to. But no, we bitch and complain about it and go home and don't realize that the toll that is taken on our psyche. I won't get off topic, but yes. So, yeah, like I said, for my code, to really see my codependency issues, I had to go inside myself. And when I went through therapy back in February, I went through all those uh, the five weeks of therapy to address to address my own doing, to address my own. <laughs> this is what you did, cuz like, did nobody do this to you? You, you, for somebody to take that mirror and put it up to your face and be like, X, Y, Z. But it's crazy because. I get to you when you get to this place of understanding your codependency and I'm gonna give you an example of codependency. If you ever watch my 600 pound life or you watch, um, intervention. So my 600 pound life is usually a family member. Um, they have a spouse or they have a, their mom, they live with their mom or their kids. Right. And the, the, usually it's the spouse. So the spouse or the mom is like giving them food and stuff like that. They're already, my, the, you know, the situation's in the title, my 600 pound life. They're giving them food. They want them to get better, but then they keep on giving them food because they, that's their role. And they're like, that's, if I don't give them food and they lose weight, what will I be? 
Will I be insignificant? You know what I'm saying? That's where that's where we're getting at. I hope I'm making sense when I'm when I'm talking. But there are a lot of people in their relationships. They often sometimes they break up or the spouse has an issue. Like why are you losing weight? Well, don't you want them to lose weight? Or you don't want them to lose weight because then you'll lose your position. You'll use you have you would have to reposition yourself. You know what I'm saying? You think that you're you have to fix yourself and your self-esteem because you think that you're only good enough to bring this person Burger King. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah. And it's the same thing when it comes to intervention. You'll see people in there, crackheads or whatever, and their parents or somebody's giving them money and they're like, oh, we don't want you to die, but you're giving them money to get more crack. But the thing is, is if, you're so codependent and so engraved into this relationship that if they get better, they change. So if they get better, they change. What where will you be? What will you do? What would be your position? And it's some it's some some sick ass way of thinking because that was me. I would literally have friends that treated me poorly. I would literally not even treat. I can't even say treated me poorly. I allowed everything that ever happened to me um, by not. Um, having my esteem where it should be uh but i would i would invite these these things these projects because that's what i grew up knowing like i took care of everybody 14 years old my mom had a baby i was 13 my mom had a baby but the baby became my baby so from 13 to 16 i took care of this baby i got out of school i had to go take care of the baby i had to do this i had to do that that was my role so when i got older i would either people would be drawn to me or i'd be drawn to them where what can I do to assist you? Because I don't think you'll be friends with me any other way. I don't think you would like me any other way. So how can I be of service to you so that you will be my friend? Woo! Shakalaka. Shakalaka. But once you go through this process that is not easy because it's basically undoing all the BS that you've been through the majority of your life, um... It's like, especially, okay, so my birthday just passed, right? I am now, I can't believe it, 34, right? So I feel like 33 was freaking evolutionary. That was like my transformation year. Like, I'm telling you, it was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, therapy, medication, how much is, whoo. The year started off, like literally the year started off with my nephew being born and then a couple hours later, my cousin passed away from a drug overdose that was one january 2021 the first day of the year that's what happened and i had every reason to just give up diagnosed with ptsd all types of shenanigans um but had i given up i wouldn't be here you know what i'm saying i wouldn't be here and that's all i'm gonna say about that um but like I said, 33 was transformational and I'm excited about 34, not to mention, I just feel like I even changed my, my uh, Wi-Fi password to it's, it's reborn, but it, you know, there's more to it in case anybody out there trying to steal Wi-Fi, but is, is reborn, which sounds crazy, but I just was like, I feel reborn. I do. And it's crazy because I, on my birthday, I got up, I took care of my dogs, um, I had worked that night, the night prior, so I didn't get up till like noon. Um, 
took care of my dogs. I took them to the park. Um, I got Starbucks. And we walked. And uh, later on that day, my friend came by. He actually got me a gift. He got me a TV stand that is still sitting in the box because he needed to put it together. Um, oh, I went to the store. I bought me my own flowers. And I bought me some... Um, bought me a birthday cake and I listened to music and I listened, I had wine and stuff like that. And my mom was like, are you okay? Are you okay? And don't get me wrong. I I have him. He's my friend. And then I have a couple associates. So it's not like I'm just out here destitute or anything like that. But like I said, I have flowers. I got me some, some little champagne, you know, a little champagne. I don't, I don't, I don't drink as much as I used to. I do drink every now and then, but I don't drink as much. Um, and I listened to music. I listened to that throwback Tyrese. And I felt so good. And it's crazy because in all my birthdays that I've ever had, only one I can remember was when I turned nine years old. When I was nine years old, that was like the best birthday I had. And it was a Pocahontas birthday. And it was just me and my brother. You know what I'm saying? Because my older sister, she was living with my grandma at the time. And we went outside and we rode bikes and I had Pocahontas and my mom got me this outfit that I wore to the ground because I thought I was just so cute in it. And that was like the best birthday I had. All my other birthdays, I felt terrible. I felt, I felt, I felt like I put the expectation on other people to make my birthday happy, to make my birthday good, to do stuff for me like oh my gosh, if they don't do something for me or if they don't give me a gift, I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm just nothing. Like, what is, crazy, right? And then when somebody would do something for my birthday, I'd be like so shocked because I'm like, people don't really do nothing for my birthday. Like my mom would give me gifts throughout my years or whatever for my birthday or whatever. But this birthday right here, from 39 to 34, this birthday right here, and then I also made me a lobster. You know what I'm saying? Bought me a little lobster. Um, and it's crazy because I had a little I had a little boot thing or whatever. You know, it didn't work out. And normally I would have been all distressed and it would have been a situation. It didn't work out. He's on his merry way somewhere else. And it, I, bruh, like, <laughs> I'm telling you, like, I'm good. It's crazy because my mom was calling me. She's all like, are you okay? Like, what are you going to do for your birthday? And da, 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 And she just felt like I was in so, I was going to be in so much distress, but no, I was not. I was the most joyful I had been in a long time. Crazy, right? Insane in the membrane. Yeah. And I mean, like, my cousins and stuff like that hit me up and, you know, people posted on Facebook, which I appreciated. And it was so crazy because there was years growing, like, in my 20s where I would see how many people, how many people would say happy birthday on Facebook. And then I'd be like, who didn't say happy birthday? And then they'd be like, oh, how are you, my friend? You didn't say happy birthday. It used to be so detrimental to me. It used to feel some type of way, like, oh, people don't care about me. What about my my birthday? (laughs) Is it that people don't care about me or I didn't care about myself? Cause I said my, I, I, it, like people text me happy birthday, whatever, but honestly, nobody could have said anything and I was still been happy. And that is amazing to me. And I was amazed by my own behavior. Like, 
<laughs> so now I'm 34 and I to 33. I'm so grateful for 33 because 33 changed. It was a transformation, transformation and transformations are painful. Okay. Journeys, the healing process. People think that this healing process is something you can go to the store and get. No. <laughs> but yeah, man, it's just crazy. So that's what we got. And I'm telling you, it must have been the Holy Spirit because I was literally, like I said before, I was um, cutting up this pumpkin and, you know, making dog food and chilling and doing all that type of stuff. And um, it must have been the Holy Spirit. And um, yeah. And you know what else I've learned is that I was so busy giving to people that when I did meet somebody, I was so guarded because I felt like they wanted to take something from me or either they want to take something from me or hurt me because I've been hurt. But then in reality, the whole codependency set me up for friendships and relationships that were not good for me. So like all that hurt and all that, whatever I washed down the river. So I've actually like, it's crazy because now that I meet people, like I've met, um, uh, senior female NCO, she's cool. I have, like associates and it doesn't bother me none. Cause it used to be so where if I would meet somebody or I meet, an, uh, I would be so standoffish. I didn't really need nobody. I would be in this cocoon. I would be in, I put this wall up and, um, I don't want nobody to try to get in my wall. I don't want nobody to try to get on, like get in my space or trying to take something from me. <laughs> First of all, you can't take nothing from me. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't come up to me and just take something from me. It, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but I'm so the foundation is so s stable. The foundation is so sturdy. You can't come and take anything from me. And it's okay. It's okay. Cause I've, I've, I have random conversations with people, which I would have never done before. I meet new people all the time because we're doing this whole, we got this whole situation going on out here. So I'm meeting people from different brigades and stuff like that. And I, I'm telling you, if somebody would have tried to have a conversation with me before court or I was not that friendly, I was guarded. Now I have conversations with a lot of people. Some people I don't like, they, they energy, but I'm more open to have conversations with people. Cause I don't feel like I need, I, I, I don't, I, I have certain boundaries and certain things that, and I had know how to um, convey them that it doesn't, you can't do anything to me. You know what I'm saying? You can't just, and that was my issue was that I didn't have control over what was going on. I felt like people could just come in and do anything to me. You can't just come in here and do anything to me. And that's on, that's on Mary had a little lamp. And that's on whatever rank is on your chest. I don't even care. Because there's ways around that. Don't play with me. And the thing about it is, I'm not even going to get upset. And that's the beauty. Oh, shakalaka. That's the beauty of the healing process. That anger is a facade. Anger is a facade. I'm going to say it again. Anger is a facade. It's false. It's fraud. Anger is your way to cover up how you really feel. I'll say that a thousand times. And I... So even if you're having a situation with somebody and you're talking to somebody and you get angry, what are you really angry at? Did they just disrespect you? Do you feel disrespected? Did you tell, you know what I'm saying? What's the issue? Did they not listen to you? You have to convey what the real issue is. It's not anger. Anger is just a cover up. Because I used to walk around like a ball of fire. I was angry. 
but I was really sad. I was abandoned. I was, I was feeling some type of way. I felt used. But I let people use me because I, I didn't know no, I ain't know no better. I ain't know no difference. So this right here, this ain't even me talking. This is a word from the Holy Spirit. I tell you right now. Because I feel like, <laughs> I feel like jumping up and clapping them own words. Like, it's the truth, man. It's the truth. And this is Black Girl Coffee Shop, bruh. Where we sip coffee and not tea. And I feel like, and I look back at my old episodes and the journey of how I've come from where I was and all this other type of stuff in my content. It's just me. This is real life. From the first episode I've done to this episode. Like, I see the, my own evolution. And there was a time where I had published some episodes and I was like, I should go back and delete those. Because, you know, I was real angry. I was on some real ish. No, because that, that, if I... The journey, right? The healing journey. It's a journey. And I want whoever comes along and finds this podcast to be like, this is a journey. Like, she really just moving from here to here. Like, it, it wasn't overnight. It was a lot of crying. <laughs> and um, I'm so excited because the project that I've been working on is... It's, the thing about it is when you tap into your purpose and something that comes naturally, it's easy and it flows. And I've been able to put pen to paper and come up with some really great things. And um, what, I've learning, what I'm learning is when I do write, I'm in, I'm in awe about my own writing. And it took me a while because I've been working on this for a hot second. It took me a while because I would have other people read my writing and then look to see what they thought. I don't give a hot damn. There are times where I'll write something and then go back three weeks later and read it and be like, oh, it, be, it, it lights a fire in my soul. Like, oh my God, did I write that? Like, <laughs> and I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but it's called like, when you feel, when you feel like you found your purpose and you found your, your space and your spot, looking and asking for people to validate you is wasting time. Asking people to co-sign for what you're trying to do is a waste of time. Because if you already feel it in your spirit, you've already been signed off on by the powers that be. Whoo, shakalaka. <laughs> but anyway, I'm going to go ahead and let y'all go. If anybody wants to reach out to have a, um, a chat with me, you know what I'm saying? Sip tea. I mean, I'm sorry. Sip coffee, not tea. I'm tripping. And just have a you know dialogue about whatever, anything I talked about in the past, my healing process, codependency, um, trauma bonding, and stuff like that. That's that junk is real, and I realized it was crazy because even going back to trauma bonding, there was there was an NCO that I was really close to, and I was like, why am I this close to her? But I don't like it was it was a weird closeness, and it it kind of like. She was good people, but something about the, the our relationship as I started on this journey um, started to, like, make me back up. And what I realized, because I've known her for years, I think 2014. I've known her for years, but she started to remind me of my mother. And we'll, sometimes we'll do that. And sometimes, like, it reminded me of a ver the version of me and my mother's relationship just a little bit and the, the unhealthy side. 
And that's why I slowly, I slowly started to back up because once I started to do the work on myself, I was like, what the hell is this? So don't forget that either. Sometimes when it comes to romantic relationships and friendships, mentorships, make sure that you're really getting to know the person because somebody can look familiar. Oh, let me say it again. Somebody can look familiar to a relationship that is might be a little bit unhealthy because people look familiar. We look for things that we're used to. So that's why people will go from one, one abusive relationship to another abusive relationship because we're not being clear and if it, it feels familiar. Like if you're, um, if your daddy was, I know I talked about this before because it's one of my highest um, listened to episodes, uh, emotionally unavailable, shameless plug. But if your father was emotionally unavailable or physically like a ghost, you will date men. You will seek out men that are not there. So you can prove to them and to yourself that you're worthy. Ooh, that was me. Chakalaka. <laughs> so, um, or even like having uh, maybe a dysfunctional relationship with your mother, you will attract friendships and, or mentors and stuff like that that have that little, you know, sprinkle of dysfunction or overbearingness or, um, you know, cause there was, there was times where like, sometimes my mom would say to me, what you should have done, what you should have done. And then I started realizing that this mentor that I had was like kind of the same thing, but in different words. And I hate, I, I don't say I hate, but I dislike when my mom used to say that to me, what you should have done was this. Cause it made me feel like, okay, what I did do was not correct. And I was wrong and I should have done what she told me to do which invalidates my identity. I had to learn that what I should have done is what I did. Yep, that's what it is. Yep, all day, right or wrong, that's my decision, and I'm going to stick beside it. <laughs> but, and there's no shade, no shade to my mom at all. I just had to redefine. You have to redefine a lot of relationships. You have to redefine yourself, and it would naturally redefine the relationships. Oh, shoot, I need to write that down. Shaka laka. But we're gonna go ahead and <laughs> we're gonna go ahead and end it here. I, and it's crazy because I'm sitting here in my kitchen and I'm just laughing like my dogs in there sleep like they worked hard today. I'm just glad they quiet because they had me put out that ghetto that ghetto episode. But I just felt like I didn't want to I didn't want to edit it because I like to keep it real. And that was what, what was really happening. They was really getting on my nerves. So yeah. And then I got a little dog and a big dog, like I told y'all before. But the little dog think he a big dog. And then sometimes the big dog think he a little dog. And the big, the little one be bullying the big one. I'm just like, make it make sense. But anyway, um, if you haven't already, like I said, go follow me on Instagram at Black Girl Coffee Shop Podcast. Uh, if, and I'm real, like, I like to talk. So if you want to, you know, DM me to have a conversation about something that I talked about in the past or something I haven't updated and you're curious about or you want to do an episode together and you're another podcaster, hit me up. I'm just, shoot. And don't get me wrong. The healing journey is not like, oh, oh my gosh. It's not a trail. It's not a hiking thing. It's not a hiking uh, experience where you get to the top and you're done. No, this is an ongoing process. This is an ongoing process that you will continue throughout your whole life. Just, I gotta let that be known. A lot of people think, oh yeah, I, I've done my work and I'm healed. Uh, no. 
Uh, no, because basically sometimes, depending on what age you are, you're trying to unlearn crap that you've been knowing for three decades. So, yeah. Um, or you can follow me on my, my other page, which is Poetry and Black Coffee. I got to get that one. Get together. Get it together. Oh... I think I didn't I didn't update you guys on the the women's retreat that was canceled. I know that was canceled a long time ago because it was supposed to be in July, but I canceled it and I'm kinda happy I did. I'm kinda happy that things went the way that they went because I was like still going through the process and I'm still going through the process, but once you start going through it's like um going uphill or going through tunnels. Like you get to a certain position, you look back and be like, damn, look how far I came. What was I doing right there? And then you keep going. So it was like I wouldn't even I hadn't gained enough traction to really facilitate or to do that. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, like I said, with the, the Alcoholics and uh, Alcoholics Anonymous when you have the sponsor. The sponsor has to gain so much time and so much growth in order to come back and help that person up the hill. So I feel like I'm still gaining time and growth to help other people up the hill. And I do that kind of with this this podcast, which y'all, t- me telling all my business, that's what I do. But <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, you know, I'm also working on my project, which also lays out a lot of the the craziness that I've been through this this year and the prior years, the the good, the bad, and the ugly or the hideous, okay? But um, yeah, man. Um, I think I'll go ahead and end it here, right here, and I will keep you guys updated on everything that is going on with me, and it is Saturday night, and I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm very upset. Don't you, I, I don't care what, I don't care what occupation you have. Don't you hate when you get that text, and it's like some, some mess, or it's like, that's not what I, that's not what I was planning on doing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, 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 you know what, there's. That's not what I was planning on doing. But since y'all pay me, I guess. You know, I don't want to go to jail because, you know. But, yeah. Um, so, I'm your host, Missy Lewis. And this is Black Girl Coffee Shop. Where we sip coffee. All types of coffee. Espresso. Drip. Iced coffee. Frappes. Frappuccinos. We sip coffee. And not tea. Peace.